We're going to be talking today about the forgiveness of sins. Uh, and, and before we do, let's go back, let's just read what we've worked through over these last bunch of weeks, okay? So uh, we start at the beginning, I believe in God the Father, Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, and again now into today we look at the forgiveness of sins. And so where we're going here on this communion Sunday, what a, what a great Sunday for us to be uh, uh, talking about. Oops, that one's leaking. <laughs> it's okay, I'm not wearing white, we're okay. Uh, we're going to be talking about the forgiveness of sins as we look at communion, the elements, the, the body and blood of Christ as we, as we celebrate together. I want you to understand on the front end here a couple of things. I want to uh, just share where we're going and some of what God was speaking to my heart as I was preparing for this through this last week. So we want to talk about, first of all, uh, in salvation, the Lord's forgiveness of our sins. And we want to look into that a little bit more. We want to reflect on that. Uh, let that go down a little deeper in our hearts. Let our hearts be stirred in those truths. But then we also want to take a look at uh, what that means regarding us forgiving others. And I want you to understand, I tell you, through this week, there has been a, a perpetually intensifying burden that has been on my heart as I've been preparing this message. Um, so I, I, I want us to be ready in advance. I believe the Lord's really going to do some significant things in people's hearts today. Really believe, I mean, the, God, the, the Lord has already done so much beautiful work here this morning, but when it comes to this area of forgiveness, I really believe that uh, the Lord has big things in store. Uh, so I j just want us to be expectant. I want our ears to be open and, and just to really trust uh, that, you, you know, we could trust what God says. Can you say amen? Amen. So, Father, as we uh, get into the word here this morning, we uh, ask that you would prepare our hearts for what you want to say to us. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would help us pull down the walls, let down the guard, and allow you to minister in our lives. We thank you, you're good, and that you love us, and ultimately, uh, your way is the best way. It's the way of wholeness. It's the way of life. So, Lord, our eyes are on you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So, uh, let's begin. Let's talk a little bit this morning about this, this topic of the forgiveness of sins. Let's talk about this as it relates to our salvation, what, what the Lord does in our life in regard to the forgiveness of sins. So, we need to understand when we look at the, the big picture of salvation, what the Lord says about humanity's need for salvation. The Word of God teaches that all of creation, uh, that is, uh, in humanity, all of humanity has been born with free will. God gives us the ability to choose. 
what we're going to do, whether we choose right, whether we choose wrong. Uh, and the Lord has also given us, he tells us in scripture, just a general picture of right and wrong. Right? There, there's something that's built into our conscience, uh, you, you know, what God desires to be done and, and what God desires to not be done. Romans uh, 3.23, concise verse, but it's packed with meaning. Uh, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Right? The word of God lets us know we need a savior. All have sinned. Sin means missing the mark or missing the aim. That could be intentional, that could be unintentional, that could be through our action, that could be through our inaction. But, you, you know, we, we see in Scripture that uh, this sin, missing the mark, is always followed by either pardon or punishment. God is a merciful, gracious, just God. God is a holy and, and righteous God as well. And He's a just God. So Jesus came as our sin payment so that we could be declared righteous, right? This sin issue that affects all of humanity, Jesus became our payment for sin. Uh, we, we call this the great exchange that took place in Christ. Isaiah 53, 5 says, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds, we are healed. And so in uh, Pastor Walt's, you know, book here, Living the Apostles' Creed, he, he talks about this word uh, imputed, you know, that several things were imputed when we look at salvation, when we look at the gospel message. The first thing that we need to understand, and again, if you're following in your notes, this is a place where you can fill in the note there, uh, Adam's sin was imputed to all mankind, was, was given over, was charged to all mankind. We need to understand when somebody says, uh, hey, leave them alone, they're not hurting anybody else, you know, the Word of God teaches us our sin affects those around us, right? And, and here, here it is right from the beginning, the, the fall that happened back in Genesis 3 in the garden, sin was imputed to all mankind. But, hallelujah, because of Jesus, um, man's sin was imputed to Jesus Christ. It was charged over to him. It was put on him. He who knew no sin became sin so that we could be forgiven, so that we could become uh, sons and daughters of God. But then third, Christ's righteousness is then imputed over to humanity. So, I mean, what, what, a, what a great picture of God's love and grace and mercy that has been extended to all of us. All of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But because of what Jesus has done, our sin payment has been paid by him. But wait, it doesn't stop there. He puts on us the righteousness of God. We get, the word tells us, a robe of righteousness. Hallelujah. Not one that we earned, not one that by our good works we, we were able to muster up, but all because of the love and mercy and grace of God, our sins have been forgiven. Amen. Amen. Now, let, let's look at the picture here. Second uh, Corinthians, let's look at chapter 5. And actually, verse 17 is my favorite verse in the New Testament. I don't know if anybody else has a favorite, but that's my favorite. But let's look at it in context all the way through verse 21. 
It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. Another translation says they are a new creation. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. And he gave us then the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. Thank you, Lord. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So church, I just, I just want us to allow that to, to soak in. That's, that's, not, um, that's not over-exaggeration. God's righteousness has been imputed to us because of what Jesus has done. We have been made into a brand new creation. Literally, that word in the Greek speaks of something that never existed before. As somebody who was born again, now their spirit man, alive unto God, forever destined toward heaven, reconciled to God, and our sin payment all paid for. Now, how do we step into that? How do we enter into that great and wonderful forgiveness? Well, true salvation is preceded. Uh, we know we, it starts in faith. But in faith, it, it, there, there is a repentance that needs to happen, right? It's not just simply believing in him, but it's a repentance of our sin. And when we look in Acts chapter 2, that's when we see really the birth of the New Testament church. The Holy Spirit is being poured out and, and there's this crowd that gathers and uh, Peter is preaching and, and people's hearts are touched. And they say, what must we do to be saved? If we look here in verse 38, Peter replies, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So this, this is not a message on baptism, but a little, little side note there. So what is the pathway into salvation? It's believe and repent. That repent means to change our mind. Right? It means to turn around in another direction. Repentance isn't, I'm sorry, and I sure hope I do something different in the future. Repentance is, uh, Lord, I agree with you on what you say is right, on what you say is wrong, on what you say is sin, what I should, shouldn't do. I agree with you, and I recognize my need. I recognize that I've sinned, and I need you as Savior and Lord in my life. And then the Word of God tells us to, uh, that, that, that in that, that Holy Spirit moves into our heart and we become brand new, we become born again. We don't become religious, we don't adopt a new mindset and set of beliefs. Those things are outflow of this miracle that happens in our heart when we allow Jesus to be Lord and Savior of our lives. Amen. And surrender over to Him. Glory to God. So, uh, and, and I said this is not about baptism, but it's interesting. The Word of God assumes when somebody gets saved that they follow as a step of obedience uh, public baptism, which is just uh, basically publicly saying, I have repented, I believe Jesus is who he said he is, and I, I've made him Lord and Savior of my life. And so if there's anybody that's not yet been baptized, baptism doesn't save us. 
But all throughout New Testament scriptures, we see, you know, they, they, uh, you, you know, people came to Christ and they were baptized. People repented and they were baptized. And so if you've not yet been, uh, keep an ear out in the new year. There'll be water baptism services for an opportunity for, you know, for us to get on board and, and be obedient in that area in scripture. So amen. A little, little side plug there for, for baptism as we're looking at salvation and repentance. So, so pulling this all together, Jesus canceled our debt by taking our sin. At the cross, the justice of God was satisfied. Ah, He's never, ever going to look on us and say, yeah, but I still remember that thing you did. The justice of God was satisfied at the cross, which is why we must come through the cross. What is our response then? It's to put away sin and to live unto holiness. Bill, making a sanctuary, right? Making a sanctuary, that, that was you who just shared that before, right? And I'm so glad that that word got in there. To make a sanctuary for him. And out of that, out of that making room for him to be prioritized in our life, he wants to, as we just read in 2 Corinthians, to make us uh, ambassadors for his kingdom. You know, ambassadors to show his, his healing, his love, his forgiveness, his hope to the world all around us. And uh, we do this not in our own power, we do this by the power of the Holy Spirit, right? He's not saying, well, go fix yourself and go, you know, as a matter of fact, we need to understand, you know, um, it is not by works that we're saved, right? It tells us in scripture, our works don't save us, our works don't earn us brownie points with the Lord. But when, when we recognize our righteousness was as filthy rags, and yet he has taken that away and taken that off and given us his righteousness. He's loved us so extravagantly, the works are just simply an extravagant response of thanks to our God. Amen? So, Lord, I just, just love you with all of my heart. And they pour out of our, our, our heart of gratitude. Big difference there between trying to earn something through our works and them being extravagant thanks to the Lord. All right, now let's move in. And here's where I believe the Lord wants to dig in in our lives. And he, he wants there to be opportunity for him to do some, um, some further healing here this morning uh, and, and moving us on in him. Uh, let's talk about the forgiveness that then we grant others. You know, I was thinking about it, you know, I've, I've preached with a certain amount of reg- regularity messages on forgiveness because it's so important for us to stay in a posture of forgiveness. But if you notice this morning, we're really, really focusing in that our forgiveness, church, toward others is to pour out of our ongoing awe and worship and recognition of the forgiveness that he poured out to us. Right? When we lose that connection point, we're going to get off in our thinking. We're going we're gonna to get off track. We're going to, uh, as we just read about what sin is, we're going to miss the mark. So when we're reconciled to God, we are sent to release reconciliation to others. We're instruments of his reconciliation. And we see all over scripture how we're to conduct ourselves toward others. Let's look at Ephesians 4, verse 32. Everybody tracking so far? Amen? All right. It says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God has forgiven you. So the Holy Spirit has come to empower us to do what 
would seem maybe impossible in the natural for us to do. Forgive. Sometimes there's wounds that come, there's things that happen, there's, there's impact that others have had in our lives that goes so deep that we look in the natural and we say, in, in my own humanity, I don't know how to find a way to forgive this person. But thank God he didn't say, in our own humanity, go and do it. He said that as we are yielded to him and his Holy Spirit is at work in us, his spirit will give us the strength and the power to be forgiving. Amen? Amen. Let's look at Romans 12, 17 to 21. It says, do not repay anyone evil for evil, but be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Look at verse 19. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. But see, God says that in the context of mercy triumphs over judgment. And God says that in the context of he's not willing that any should perish. Goes on to say in verse 20, uh, on the contrary, if, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. And doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, this is something that Pastor Walt brings out in the book here. You know, in our modern culture, we might read that verse about heaping coals on the other person's head, and, and, and we might wrongly interpret that verse and say, oh, all right, I'll be nice to them. I'll forgive them. And God's going to pour fire on them, you know? That God's going to, you know, strike with lightning that person if I just act nice to them. How many know, again, that's missing the mark on who God is and who he's called us to be? And actually, we, we won't unpack it all here. We got it uh, in, in our study, in our small group study. But basically, this idea in, in the, the ancient custom and culture to heap the coals was basically to allow them an opportunity to recognize their wrong and repent and be touched by God and to be forgiven, right? So, so you know, if that seemed like a contradiction, hey, isn't heaping burning coals vengeance and the, ver the, the word just told me not to take revenge? No, it's actually a show of mercy. Here's, here's what we need to grasp as we work this out, working out our own salvation as it says in the word. God makes forgiveness a command uh, in light of the forgiveness he extends to us. It's quiet in here. I know the Lord's working and I know, I know this is meddling. There's a powerful portion of scripture in Mark chapter 11. It speaks of the opportunity and the authority that we have in Christ. Right? It says that if, if we will believe and not waver, that in Jesus' name we could speak to mountains and that mountains will be cast into the sea. What an incredible, incredible picture that the Lord gives us, the authority that we have in Christ. But we need to understand, um, in verse 25, connected in with this portion of Scripture, he says, And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them. There's no way around this. So that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. There's no way around that. We can't afford to hold on to unforgiveness. 
Now, let's understand, God is just. He would never, ever ask us to do something we can't do. He would never make a command of something that is impossible for us to do. And he gives us the power by his spirit to do it. Matthew 6, 14 and 15, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly father will will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. Now, now let's just clarify something this morning, because I think sometimes what trips people up when it comes to forgiveness is, you know, maybe thinking that it, it makes, when somebody has done something very wrong, that it makes it okay. You know, uh, that, that, that it's just, you, you know, um, it's fine that somebody did something wicked or terrible. But I, I just, just looked this up and I thought this was an outstanding definition. The definition of forgiveness, a conscious, deliberate decision to release feelings of resentment or vengeance toward a person or group who has harmed you regardless of whether they actually deserve it or not. Isn't that outstanding, right? It doesn't come down to, you know, now I got to hang out and buy them birthday cake on their birthday. It doesn't mean that, you know, that I got to subject myself ongoing to somebody's wrong, you know, anything. By the way, I want to be very clear this morning. There is no place in Scripture where, where the Lord says, stay in a place where you're being abused. Can you say amen? Forgiveness doesn't mean be abused, stay abused. It doesn't mean being abused was okay. It's this what we're talking about here. It is a decision to say, I will no longer be tied to this other person's acts. And instead, I will be yoked with the Lord. And he said his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Right? And and, and when, when we're wounded, we don't even realize we wind up getting chained and it becomes we're chained to the tormentor. That, that person, that act, that thing, that scenario winds up becoming a tormentor that we are tied to. So what happens when we choose to not forgive? So we need to understand, basically, church, what we're giving up is our right to stay angry, bitter, hurt, victimized, vengeful. And, and, and in our pain, it's so easy to want to stay there. But I want to look at here a couple of reasons where, why God says, I love you so much. I want you to, at the cross, surrender that to me. Surrender that over. And here, here's just like a few things. What happens if we choose to not forgive? Number one, and we, we saw this in some scriptures. We're just kind of laying out the point now. It can hinder God's work in our lives, right? So when we walk in unforgiveness, it's going to hinder God's work in our lives. I heard this really interesting story on uh, Leonardo da Vinci. What, what an interesting uh, person from history, right? Uh, and when he was painting the Last Supper, uh, it, it's told that he came to the portion of the painting where he needed to paint the face of Jesus, but he couldn't bring himself to do it. And the reason why, we're told that earlier that day, a man had wronged him and he lashed out at the man in anger. And it wasn't until he went and asked the man's forgiveness that he could go back and complete the painting. That's, a, that's, that's walking as a disciple of Christ, right? Just not allowing himself to, to maintain that. The, uh, The work of God can be hindered when we allow unforgiveness. Secondly, unforgiveness can give birth to other sins that we want to avoid. Things like envy 
and, and hatefulness and strife and bitterness. Number three, it can fester and grow and become more lethal in our life over time. I heard somebody say one time that unforgiveness is like slowly sipping poison and, ex and expecting that to harm the other person. And it just becomes more and more toxic in our lives. Number four, it has the potential to destroy you, your relationships, your life, your future. Ah, now I see why the Lord is so serious about forgiveness and, and, and me not holding on to unforgiveness. How should we respond when others sin against us? Well, let's take a look at Matthew 18, 21 and 22. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. Depending on, there's certain translations that, you know, there's a little, little bit of a, a different uh, perspective on the number that was given there, 70 times seven. So, so whichever way you want to look at that, the Lord was trying to say, uh, you're going to lose count of how many times you have to forgive, and you get up the next morning and do the same thing again that day, and you do the same thing the next day. In other words, we're not allowed to make room. We're not allowed at any point to justify choosing to stay in a place of unforgiveness. Come on, can you say amen? amen. Ephesians 4, uh, I'm, I'm going to go back to Ephesians 4.32, but I want to pull it back to verse 29 and read through that, that whole uh, portion. It says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. And in Colossians 3.13 just sums it all up. Forgive, how do we forgive? As the Lord forgave you. Right, again, it's so helpful for us to keep that connected in with what he's done for us. All right, so last thing uh, we want to look at as we look at this this morning is uh, some steps to walking in freedom when it comes to forgiveness, unforgiveness. And uh, we're going to pull from Luke 6 and uh, just look at some very practical points on how we can get our hands around walking out forgiveness. All right, so we'll start in verse 27. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. By the way, can we just say for a second, you know, in our hallmark modern culture. How many know love's not an emotion, right? Biblically, love is a choice we make. Love is simply to prefer the other person's highest good. So you say, how can I love an enemy? You know, like somebody who's just awful. How, you know, I, I don't want to be with them. I don't want to. No, that's not talking about feeling warm fuzzies. That's saying choosing their highest good and, and allowing forgiveness in your life. So he says, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on the cheek, turn to them the other also. Uh, again, that's, that's a cultural stance. That's, uh, I just want to be clear. That's not saying if somebody's uh, experiencing physical abuse, that's not saying continue to stay in uh, physical abuse. Is anybody dealing with that? You get out of that right away. Can you say amen? This is talking in, in a cultural sense of... Um, giving to your enemies, uh, serving others before yourself. And it goes on to be, you know, explained even more. Uh, uh, 
When someone takes your coat, don't withhold your shirt from them. Uh, give to everyone who asks of you. Uh, if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great. Church, listen to this. And you will be children of the Most High. He'll say, that's my boy. That's my girl. They look just like me. Right? And why is that? It says, because he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful just as your father is merciful. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. Isn't it so interesting? This is one of the, like, top handful, top five giving scriptures. And the context is forgiving and loving your enemies. But what is it saying here? Give mercy and mercy will be given back to you, pressed down, good measure, and running over into your life. Does that sound good to anybody? Lord, I'll take all the mercy I can get. I'll take all the grace I can get. I'll take all the love I can get. Amen. Uh, for with the measure you use it, or with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So there's a lot in this portion of Scripture, but um, let, let's just acknowledge a couple of things on uh, steps toward embracing forgiveness. Number one, absolutely recognize the wound. Notice how in none of this the Lord isn't saying, why are you hurt? Why is it painful? He's not saying any of that. You know, we, we can recognize, yeah, I've been wronged, I've, I've been wounded, I've been hurt. However, whatever the context is there, recognize the wound. But then number two, make the decision to forgive. Number three, pray for them. Didn't we just read that? Pray for those. Number four, demonstrate an act of kindness toward them. That's all we saw there. You know, you want the coat? Here's the shirt too. You know, just, yeah, I'll bless you. Again, not because we're allowing ourselves to be taken advantage of. Church, here's the good news. When we do this as unto the Lord, they couldn't take advantage of us if they tried. <laughs> Glory to God. Somebody thinks they're getting over. Church, I can't tell you. There's been times where I know somebody's playing me. And I have such a peace because I know if I just keep my head and my heart straight with the Lord, they can't get over on me. Because God's got my back. And I've not tripped up God from being able to extend mercy and healing into their life as well. That's what they call in the world the old win-win. Right? That's a win-win situation. Regardless, we hope they repent. We hope they respond. But you want to know it? At the end of the day, I keep it right. And, and I do this before the Lord as unto Him. Nobody can take advantage of us even if they're trying. So we demonstrate an act of kindness toward them. And then five, uh, forget it. I shared this story before. I just think it's so cute. Six-year-old Philip came home boiling mad, and he told his mom, I'm never playing with Jimmy again. I just want you to know this is not a personal testimony. All right, this is a different Jimmy. 
After dinner, the doorbell rang and Jimmy was out the door. Well, Philip greeted him at the door, invited him in, and even offered him and gave him some ice cream. And his mother was kind of surprised and said, hey, what happened? And, and uh, Philip simply reply, re- replied, uh, me and Jimmy, we have good forgetters. I love when we get wisdom from, from kids, right? You know, God is saying, have a good forgetter. And, and God says, and, and in that way, you're being like me. Because he takes our sin and he throws it into the sea of forgetfulness. There are people here this morning, you're in torment because you have not been able to forgive yourself. You've repented, you've given it over to the Lord, you're born again, and you are carrying a guilt that God doesn't want you to carry anymore. I believe there's an opportunity for you to go free this morning. When we talk about forgiving, man, the first place we got to start is with forgiving ourselves. Just making that decision, all right, God forgave me. And, and you know, Paul is such an excellent example of this because we see in Paul such a humility and such a, a tenderness over his past, right? Paul calls himself the chief of all sinners because he was persecuting the church. But notice Paul's not walking and bound up and guilt, shame, and condemnation. He, he knows, you know, he knew what, what forgiveness was. He knew what the Lord did for him. And that turned into just a reckless abandonment to the Lord. It was a faith and a trusting that God really did forgive him. God really did wash his sins away. And again, that's that picture of then extravagant obedience. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll say what you want me to say. I'll do what you want me to do. Lord, you've captured my heart because you've taken away my sin. And and you've made me brand new. That's the picture. Amen. Amen. So we want to forget and, and uh, you know, forget the, uh, what we're, we're in unforgiveness over. Galatians 5.1 says, stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. And truly unforgiveness becomes uh, chains and, and bondage in our lives. And then the last point we, we have here is receive the promise. You know, all the promises that come when we choose to trust him and obey him in this area. So church, I want you to know, I, I, uh, I can't tell you how soft my heart is right now as we're talking about this, because I, I know there's maybe nothing out there, not a whole lot out there that's more painful than when somebody's wrestling with unforgiveness. The opportunity for us here today is to say, Lord, I'm relinquishing letting go of the right to hold on to this. Letting it go at the foot of the cross. And I'm trusting you with the healing and the work in my life to do what only you can do. And remember, it's whether it's justified or not, it's releasing, the, it's making a decision and then leaving it in God's hands. You know, I think about uh, Corey Tenboom. When you know her story, she went through a Nazi concentration camp during World War II. And uh, I don't know, in in this modern era, there's probably not a whole lot that has come close to the horrors of what she experienced. And as she looked at forgiveness, she was able to move from not only a place of forgiving 
the worst of the worst horror, but then to catch the Lord's heart to say, Lord, what kind of shame and guilt and horror these people must be under, the many of them that started realizing, what have we done? And there needs to be an opportunity for them to hear that God can forgive them. Man, that's, that's Christ-like. That's as Christ-like as it gets. And she didn't start there. That wasn't her starting place. That was the work of God in her heart to be able to walk through and, and to get to that point in her life. And she's been, uh, she's been a testimony uh, for all, all these years of, of uh, an example of walking out this picture of making the choice to forgive and then seeing what God will do with that. So I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet as we're getting ready to close. And, uh, oh, thanks, brother. <laughs> Appreciate it. Oh, thank you. Um, and before we take communion together, uh, it, it was interesting as I was, like I said, I was kind of catching a burden throughout the week and I felt like the Lord was giving uh, different instructions and little things along the way. And I feel like the Lord, I feel this morning that there should be a step for anybody who is saying, I am putting unforgiveness behind me today that there should be a stepping out of your seat, coming down to this altar, and then being able to look back and say, I left that at that altar. I, I dropped it. If you just get that picture in your mind of, Lord, I'm bringing this to the cross as we get ready to take communion together. I just, I, I want to ask again, if you have not been able to forgive yourself, why don't you leave that behind today? Why don't you drop that at the altar today? Are there any that are here that are saying, hey, if I'm honest, I've been angry at God, and i got to release that? And then are there any here today that are saying, I've got unforgiveness that I've been holding on to, and I am making a decision today to release that unforgiveness? I just want to invite you, if you're in any of those three places, again, this is a, a safe place for us. I want to invite you, why don't you step out of your seat, come join me at this altar, and then just a minute, we're going to take communion together, and we're just going to believe God that he's going to do such a, an amazing healing work uh, as a result of our response here this morning. Amen. You know, I kind of had purposely no worship team coming back and just sort of a quiet, holy, amen, amen, amen. You know, in all of this too, you know, the word of God tells us that every tear, every tear that we shed, that he collects. So it's not that our pain is insignificant to him. Is that so good to know? We're told in the word to weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. And, and again, that's, that's carrying suit with how the Lord interacts in our lives. He hurts over our hurts. He loves us that much. This is beautiful. This is beautiful. Do you know in the spirit realm, just the opportunity that's here today? I want to wait a minute longer because I know... I know that there can be such a battle. I don't want to let go of it. 
I, I actually, I got a word on the spot. I just said this in, in first service. I was like, where did that come from? <laughs> uh, the enemy wants our unforgiveness or that pain in our life to be our identity. The Lord wants it to be our testimony. Amen? Amen. So if it seems a little scary to say, I'm, I'm just going to cast that aside, know you can trust him. Let this altar be a, I'm running into your arms, Lord, and I'm trusting you with this. Amen. Yeah, let's just wait on the Lord just a minute or two. We'll, we'll wrap up here soon, but this is, this is so big. It's, it's sweet. In the Old Testament, it talks about, um, it's called the balm of Gilead, the healing balm that the Lord, you know, puts on us that's available to us in him. And I believe he's putting healing balm or salve on hearts today, on emotions today. You know, that whole area of our soul. Just wonder, is there anybody else that's just in a, in a place of wrestling and you're saying, man, I really should be up there, but I'm just not sure. By the way, if your heart's pounding, that's the Holy Spirit working on you right now. So I would encourage you to come on forward. Amen. Amen. And if you're watching online, we know whatever way is appropriate for you as you're watching, just to say, Lord, I've crossed the line. See, by gathering here now and praying in just a moment, remember it's a choice, not an emotion, right? So when the enemy comes back and wants to whisper and say, see, you've not forgiven, you're able to go back and say, no. On December 4th, in the 10 a.m. service, I left that at the altar. I left that at the altar. I'm no longer in unforgiveness. Now, now you got a line that you crossed to fight that good fight of faith, to hold on to what God says belongs to you. Amen. So we're going to pray, and then we're going to take communion together. So Father, just all around this room, and, and Lord, especially here at this altar, we thank you so much for sending your son, Jesus. Jesus, you told us, Lord, that it was because of the joy that was set before you that you endured the cross. And it was us. It was us being reconciled back to you, back to the Father. That was the joy that was before you. And we thank you for shedding your blood for us and for your broken body for us. And that in that you took away our sin and our guilt and our shame. And so, Lord, now, right now, in the mighty, matchless name of Jesus, first and foremost, any that are in a place now uh, where you've not forgiven self, Lord, we just say, I release unforgiveness toward myself. I make a decision. I make a choice. I take you at your word. And Lord, I pray that there would be such a fresh revelation of your wonderful grace that, that you don't remember our sins any longer. Lord, that you love us so much. Lord, let that be what takes that place of what was guilt and shame. Lord, in the name of Jesus. And Lord, if there's anyone here at the altar that's saying, Lord, I was mad at you. I just have no right to be mad at you. Lord, we just say we cast that off. We cast that off in the name of Jesus. And now, Lord, any individual, person, group, situation 
that we have held unforgiveness toward, we just make the choice now a choice. God, we say, I forgive. If, that, if that's you, I just encourage you to say it out your mouth. I forgive in Jesus' name. And I pray now, Lord, as we prepare to take communion, heal hearts, heal minds, heal emotions, bring a shift. If, if, if the enemy has been helping this become an identity for us, Help us to leave this place and cast that identity off. And Lord, fill it instead with our identity in you, forgiven and whole with a light burden and a light yoke. Hallelujah. Heal, restore, break every chain. I thank you, Lord. Chains and ropes being left behind at this altar. Thank you for freedom and forgiveness. Lord, all of this we pray in Jesus' name. Let's partake together. Just want to pause. Let's just pause. I, 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 want, I want everyone that's responding to this, that's, that's transacting releasing unforgiveness, embracing forgiveness. Want us just to pause for a moment and just settle in your heart that you've made a choice. And God's gonna do incredible things with that choice. And anything that comes along from this point forward is a lie from the father of lies and you can just say, shut up, enemy, in the name of Jesus. I have chosen forgiveness. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, God, we praise you. We love you. We bless you. Amen.